Hey, this is AJ from Scene World, and that's York from Scene this World. This is York. Yeah. Yeah, we just wanted to let you guys know before everything else is happening that in addition to our normal social channels on on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever TikTok. you can find us, TikTok, yes, uh, YouTube, uh, you can also find us on Mastodon. Exactly. Yes, at, at techhub.social slash at sceneworld, there is sceneworld. Yes. And I set it up this way that all the tweets are also becoming toots on Mastodon. <laughs> so So um, if you're uh if you're if you're trying to hide from Elon and and trying to get away from the blue check mark, um come join us over there for similarly styled toots. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep your mask up. Yes. Ooh, okay. Beautiful. Hey, it's the Scene World Podcast, and I'm here again. It's... Well, you have been there last time. Yes, already. I know, I know. It just feels odd to be, and because we don't always do this stuff in order, um, it feels I don't I don't know when exactly I'm here and when I'm not. So, hmm. so it's nice to be here again, back in the uh, in the saddle, as it were. Well, to this date, I can already say uh, you missed out the last one. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my Amiga but... just reset. I was I was just running Play-Doh Term on my Amiga, and it just it just reset for some reason. So I don't know what happened well, there. Sometimes, sometimes in life, things have to reset. Yeah, stuff happens sometimes. It's a guy. But before before we reset to the next year and to the next month, which is December, we have a few interviews beforehand, mm -hmm. and today we have the co-founders. Dana Zudorenko and John Uke mm -hmm. from GameTree. Yes. The social media service that allows you to find fellow gamers and game and chat with them for free. So that's is, pretty This is a little bit special too because um, uh, one, the, 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 the founders, the co-founders, one is American, one is Ukrainian. So exactly. Is a, so a... Ukrainian-American mm -hmm. startup company. Um to, to push that as an appeal to Robert, mm -hmm. the PR person, to invite both to the interview. Yeah. Because normally, when GameTree is being addressed in interviews, only John is present yeah, in the yeah, interviews. Right. So, scene was exclusive. Dana and John together in the same interview. And, well, you know us, since 22 years now, we always try to get those impossible things done. Yes. Getting impossible things done that everybody tells me is maniac, not worthy, and you can't pull it off anyway. Those combinations always trigger me more to try harder. Yeah, right. You know, it's the same with um, 2015, Ron Gilbert. How did you get Ron Gilbert um, to, to, to appear on your podcast? I was like, I saw him at Gamescom a year earlier and he... He shook my hand and promised we will make this interview once Thimbleweed Park is released. So sometimes mm -hmm. I'm we are lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that is why but that's why we are called Scene World and not Scene Europe, Scene mm -hmm. Germany or Demo Scene World or whatever. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, we, we always try to cover everything. Yeah. So 
before we talk, <clears throat> before, before, we talk before we do anything, before we do news, I want to point like, out that I'm wearing my yeah. my cool Nick Vivid T-shirt under this shirt. Oh, that's nice. He has, he has a he has a merch store where you can get cool stuff like that. Mm, I didn't even have. I didn't even know that he had T-shirts. Oh, absolutely. I always top. I always buy his MCs, mm, mm. which yeah, which he... which are dope. Um, yes, yes. Now he's but... got. A, he has a merch store, and we will link to it down there, yeah. so you can grab that. But uh, yeah, oh sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. One of our dearest team member. Yes, absolutely. The, the number one reason there is an NTC version of Woodenotter that doesn't crash. Probably one of the nicest guys on the planet Earth as well. Ooh. Well, you would never talk bad about any of our team members, would you? No, I wouldn't. But he, he is he is legit, <laughs> like like uh, like you know a great guy. Uh, um, yeah, well, I mean. We had some situation. I remember Dennis' first task was to avoid bullshit when we interviewed Quinnell God. And who caused who caused a shitstorm on our Twitter? Eric Viruin, our past member of the staff. He yeah. was totally, yeah. totally um, um, devastated that we allowed yeah. this French guy for uh, to to be interviewed <laughs> so sometimes things happen yeah yeah but sometimes. um well people um, have emotions and yeah. sometimes they go over the top but hey um Dennis mastered his first task with us as a publication with flying colors yes he did <laughs> so <laughs> yeah anyway you want to center yourself should, a little bit more well, I should, but I can sit like this all the time. Yeah, well, um, should we start with the bad news or with the happy news? Let's uh, start with the bad news. Okay, well, in the past weeks and months, we unfortunately had some deaths. Yeah. Um, number one to mention would be Oliver Frey, who died in August. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> he used to be an artist making um you know a lot of game drawings for packaging magazines and so on um and there is an article from Eurogamer which i think is the best to describe what he achieved and we will link to that okay another one um oh perhaps i should mention oliver fry was actually a swiss guy that grew up in Great Britain. Um, and apart from that, also in October, um, MacGyver from Portovision died. Uh -huh. He used to work as an editorial member for Return magazine, the German retro magazine. He also worked for Protovision lately. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. he obviously died of a heart attack. Um, a similar story to how John Candy died in '94. He felt bad for for a bit, but instead of going to the doctor, he went to sleep and died. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which which should be pointed out again, if you feeling like you are very very powerless and stuff and feel like this for hours or days even 
go to a doctor. It might be an undetected heart attack. You know? Yeah. Such things happen. Oh, yeah. So better you go to the doctor or call an ambulance one time too much mm-hmm. than one time too little. Yeah. yeah. Just my opinion. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and the third person who unfortunately died is Johannes um, Piergard. Piergard, yeah. No, it's actually Piergard because okay. he is Dutch. Okay. Yeah. Not he is not American. He was Dutch, I believe. Um, no, Danish actually. Danish. Okay, he was from Denmark. Either but way, either way, however you want to either say. Either way, either way, he's he, it's not pronounced English or American. Um, anyway, yes, he unfortunately died um, at age fifty-two of colon cancer um, yeah. in November. So that's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. And he was a very, very known and <clears throat> skilled musician. Yes, yes, he was. And he was part of Maniac of Noise. Where also Charles Deenan was a part of, and mm-hmm. Jeruntel. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. So that's pretty sad. Yeah, it is. It is. That's uh, a lot of people in a short amount of time. A lot of really talented people in a short amount of time. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, um,. As for news, if you want, now, now do we go to the good news? Well, I have I have two news, okay. uh, but if you have some news, you can I've also. Got, I've got start some news too. News. I've got some sure. news too. Is that um, our um, um, our friendly um, 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 okay? We're going to cut this part out as I search for a word. Um, our um colleagues <clears throat> yes there we go okay our colleagues Colleague. over at the retro hour are putting together a book uh that's oh uh, yeah i saw yeah, that dan I wood rob yabbit and joe fox uh have announced a kickstarter campaign for a new book called the retro hour book the history of video gaming from those who made it happen um so that kickstarter is moving along um it should be pretty easy to get um just based on their podcast and and whatnot, I mean, you know, uh, the campaign is going for twenty five thousand pounds, and has already reached, you know, about uh, a fifth of that. And it's Should going be easy. Yeah, it's going through. Uh, it ends December tenth of twenty twenty two. So should be easy because the Retro Hour podcast, for those who don't know, they are the biggest retro podcast out there they have 30,000 subscribers aside from for, aside from us they're the biggest podcast retro podcast um they have 30,000 subscribers per month mm-hmm. i don't know of any other podcast topping that so they are the biggest yeah. um and i mean they do this commercially and weekly yeah right right we are struggling to make two per month. Well, let's not say struggling. <laughs> we're, we're, we, we, we're not. We're not. We're not doing it commercially, and exactly, exactly. and it's and we're not necessarily doing it weekly either. So, no, no, no. 
So, Come on. you know, no, it's no. A, this is more of a... We, des- we decided at some point, two per month, yes. one one at the beginning, one at the end. Is yes, the this, is more of, this is more of a vanity a vanity project for us than it is a business project for us. You know, this is yeah. sort of something we do because we, do we enjoy doing it, not because we're trying to, you know... Exactly. You know, it's... But but there are tiers. Uh, we'll put links to the Kickstarter where you can uh, sure. donate. Um and the other piece of news that I have is that the um, Ami- uh, Ami- oh god, Ami Game Jam 2022, the Amiga Game Development Contest, uh, has begun. Um, that will be going through. Uh, the deadline is April 30th of 2023, and the theme this year is Sword and Sorcery. Um, there's two different categories: Classic Amiga, which is the um, OCS and AGA. And then next gen Amiga, which is you know Arrows, Morph OS, uh, OS four, Vampire Systems, stuff like that. Um, and so um, there's a there's a there's a page on itch.io, um, and uh, we will put a link to that down in the podcast description. And uh, the one one thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to plug a product because mm. um, it has recently come to my attention that older Macs, especially PowerPC Macs, are um, are now retro because they can run the classic Mac OS and, and whatnot. And um, the pram batteries in these, and this goes all go, also go, uh, mm, mm, little. This goes all the way through to the Power Mac G5. The pram batteries on these things, you know, which this is like the CMOS on a, on a PC, um, are not your your are not your CR twenty third twenty you know twenty thirty twos like anything else. They are half double A's. They're these mm-hmm. weird little half double A batteries, but mm-hmm. they are prone to leaking over time. And mm-hmm. there is an Etsy store where um, a person makes. Um, they're called um, the Meow Toast. It is this, and this enables you to use a standard twenty thirty two battery. In place of the half double A, which is less prone guess... to leakage and will last a lot longer, and can help preserve your retro stuff. I guess half double A. I mean, there must be an official name for that. No, it's half double A. That's what's really that's, that's, that's literally what it's name? called. Yes, yes, Never it's a half double A. I, I will hang on one second. We're gonna cut this part out. Maybe not, but hang on a second. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, I just pulled this out of my Power Mac G4, and it is a little lithium battery, and um, I someplace high capacity. Um, well, it is a half of a double A battery, and it does on the packaging. When I got this, it did say half double A. And you can still buy them regardless. You can. You can buy them still. They still sell them. But again, like, you know, most batteries, like, you know, it's just a battery. And they do decode and leak over time. Mm. Whereas the 2032 does not. And... Well, there's, there's, actually, there's actually a solution for that. And actually, Amazon started selling them recently. Mm-hmm. You can get 
industrial created batteries at Amazon, which actually don't leak for mm -hmm. four to five years. Yes. But and that those are the same batteries that are packaged with devices mm -hmm. in the in your stores or in your stock. So otherwise they would have to replace the batteries each year to right. two years right. and nobody's doing that. And that is why you have industrial created batteries mm -hmm. that don't leak yeah. or are supposed to not leak. Yes. And she also makes um, these 3D printed clips, which uh, because because where this thing sits, you can you can put the battery in and just the pressure from the, the, the little spring things on the side will hold it in. You don't need the clip. But these things do not fit without the clip because... Now that makes sense. Yeah, that because they... Sense. So the clip has to... It fits perfectly in the middle to hold it in. And so, I mean, they are... You can get a pack of five for like $3. I mean, it's a... It's a nice. It's an excellent product. I've got them in my, my iMac G3s and my, my PowerMac G4 and whatnot. They, they are excellent if you're trying to preserve your your older mac hardware because everything from like the the classic macs you know the little black and white ones through to the 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 g5 they all use that pram battery and maybe even the early mac pros i don't know i have no idea if they mm -hmm. do or not because i've hmm. never had one but okay uh, but yeah so they so these are our, our excellent little things. We will put a link into the Etsy store where you can get sure. them. So other news is um, Rebecca Heinemann released the source code of her port of Doom to the 3DO. Yes. She said on Twitter, now you can see, now I can share all the pain I had when working on this conversion of the game. So I will link to that tweet speaking, of hers. Speaking of Doom, actually, there's a um, the Angry Video Game Nerd just did um, a video on Doom in which he played all the different ports of Doom. Did and he get doomed in I, the end? He he. Well, and I think I think the 3DO may have been one of the ports of Doom that he played. I so, will I will check it out. Thanks yeah yeah. So so it's it was a, it's a it's a funny video because you see how how badly the different ports compared to the PC version. <laughs> but yeah. Well, and the last news, fitting to our uh, last guest we had, mm -hmm. um, talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Yes. One day after released this podcast interview, they announced it's coming to PS5. Nice. So that means the sales number of 10 million will grow faster. Yes, it will. That thing blew up. I've I downloaded it. Have you downloaded it? Have you, do you have the game? <laughs> I not only downloaded it, I also bought one of those physical versions nice. for which I'm still waiting, of course. Yes, I I, I and I, I also bought the soundtrack nice. CD from nice. France. Yeah. Nice. I I I played it. I think it's a really really good game, and I'm gonna I'm working on a review of it for the channel, a small review. That would be great. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's 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 actually a very solid, ex well executed. Um, and and I've played the other you know Ninja Turtles games on you know the classic ones on the consoles, and this is this is up there. This this is actually I think I think this is better better than the original. You know. The original console versions. I also had the uh, the the one I played the most was actually the Game Boy version. 
And, Me too. And I got was, one, two, and three. Yeah, and I, I don't remember which one I had, but it was. I thought that the Game Boy version was the best implementation that I had played of all of them. Um, but this was. This has now taken my. Uh, this has now taken my my the the lead away from the, from the Game Boy version. Tribute Games did a good tribute to the game they did. series. They did. They really mm-hmm. did. They really did. With the, <laughs> with the and they, I mean, they, they even got the original voice actors, with the exception of, of course, like you know, uh, Shredder, because Shredder was Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and he is no longer with us. Yeah, that's but, true. But you know, I mean, nevertheless, awesome. Okay, yeah. that would be it. So that's let's all jump I got. to let's jump to uh, Game Tree. Yes, climb up the tree. <laughs> the tree of games. I signed Talk up for it too. Right after, did you? I, I, you were already a part of it. Sure. Yeah, I signed well, up. For I it. said at the beginning, the interview idea was given to me. Yeah, yeah. By somebody I met at Game Tree. Yeah, so I, I signed up for it afterwards, and now I need to spend more time messing around with it because. I signed up for just enough for you to find to to message me the next day, seeing saying, "Hey, look, it worked." Yeah, because it's that hey, your Steam friend has now joined yeah. Game Tree. Yeah, so. yeah. So it is a cool, a very cool network uh, that we will be talking about right now. So it's interesting because that's one of the features they mentioned in mm-hmm. the interview to be coming up. Yes, and it yes. actually was coming up the next day yep. already. Yep, which is super yeah. because uh, John said. They are working on cross-referencing all those profiles from different services, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they did, they did. Yeah. At least, at least later that day, they did because that's when I signed up for it. So, Certainly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that was probably a coincidence. Anyway, yes. jump to them. Here we Talk are. To them. Yes, Bye-bye. yes. Today. We are actually talking to the two co-founders of the Ukrainian-American startup social network for finding fellow gamers called GameTree. And as guests, we would have Dana Zidorenko and John Uke. Uke, yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Good to have you. And I think, I'm not sure, I searched, and I think it's actually the first time you are both interviewed together. Could that be? I think so. Yeah. We... I think co-founder, like, about a year ago, and we not we haven't been very publicly active because we was very focused on the product and in developing stage, so we actually sure. haven't been pitched together yet. Awesome, yeah. You had the first a... time. He had a new hire, I read, a new PR person, and he was super helpful, so thanks, for, thanks to him. Actually, I have to say the credit for this interview today, this idea goes not to me, but to my friend Paulette from Colombia, who I actually found over GameTree, and she had the idea, why not making an interview about GameTree, how it all started, since you guys do this awesome podcast. So, oh. yeah. Cool. So, actually, this is a little background story here. So, I'm actually an active user of the network. So, perhaps let's start as we usually do with our guests. How did you get involved into computer and finally getting involved into making GameTree, which I think started even as a crowdfunding project at first? So, perhaps, Dana, let's start yep. with you. Originally, idea of GameTree belongs to John. 
And he has very interesting story behind of that when he moved to another city when he was quite young and he lose basically all his friends when he changed the place to live. So he tried to find someone who will be as into computer games as he. And he was very disappointed with everything that exists in that moment. He had very like problem-solving mindset and he saw that there is nothing good on the market and he decided to like create the solution. What about me? I grew up like playing a lot of computer games and with ages I feel like computer games starting disappear from my life and I become more social person than like computer gamer. And why I even need to choose between being social or be or playing games is it if in real life gaming can be very social active action. So that's why I in love with the game tree. I think that the time when we just like when all gamer was alone is past. It should not be like that. It should be like the opposite. And I honestly believe that Game Tree can solve the problem with loneliness in the gaming community. Awesome. Thanks a lot. So how was it for you, John? So yeah, I, I love games. Most of my best friendships were built through gaming throughout life, growing up, all of that. And there's tons of dating apps, but there's not a single good friend-finding app. Like, Bumble's maybe the best one, and there's no filters, it's not really curated. And just because you have one common interest with somebody doesn't mean you're going to be friends with them. And you might as well just try to find friends through games, but that's also getting harder and harder over time. Because just because the community's gotten bigger, it's almost like less special to meet someone, but also the way that the games are, is there's so many that if you meet someone in real life, it's unlikely you play the same games these days. A lot of people are just like AI substitutes and you're like thrown with random people. It's not like community servers like it used to be or as community driven. So there's just a lot of movements in the real world of the greater world and gaming that I think have just made this problematic. And friend finding and gaming, I think, go really smoothly together. So what we basically built was just the best curation system. So on the front end, it's pretty simple, but on the back end, it's like way deeper than anything by far, where it's looking at your personal values, your personality, psychology, your gamer DNA to look at people. For example, somebody competitive and casual usually don't go together. Neither of them are wrong and there's no right or wrong way, but they'll just find each other toxic. So we tried to find this little bit deeper system to match people. And so we've gotten to number one on Google ranking for like find gamers, find gamer friends, find people to play with and such. And so the next step we're going towards now is not really just finding friends, but trying to make it easier to stay in touch with and hang out and have fun with the people. Or it could be new people. But in general, there's this, like Donna was saying, like gaming becomes harder to squeeze into your life. But if it's also a way to build your relationships or if it's at least more fun knowing that you're playing with a more curated group, That's great. So we've been working on behind the scenes, less marketing lately, but more on tools. Like we have a desktop app coming out soon. And we also have the game sessions of curated on-demand hangouts. So imagine you have a game session, I'll just automatically call everybody on like web, mobile, desktop, and just instantly put you on a call together. So it'll be easier than any other platforms. But if you don't have a group, you can just find a group of people that you're predicted to like. So it's just a more fun experience. And it'll actually overlay the games too. So actually built into the game interfaces. And then over time, you'll if you're playing at the same times and you like certain people, it'll like bias to match you with these people over mm -hmm. time. So you'll naturally organically 
build a tribe without even having to try. I have a question here. I noticed that Dana has like a different point of view where she is at the moment because she said that nowadays she plays less and focus more on being more social. While you, John, said you are a gamer, <laughs> so still. And so it seems a bit a different point of view. While, while I would say from my experience, nowadays you have cosplaying, Gamescom, like the biggest gaming event where gaming fans meet. I wonder, is it really, if you are a gamer, you are less social? I would challenge that. I'm not sure if that is really the case. I believe it's not anymore that and multiplayer gaming changed the rules and I really want it become more and more popular because again it helps you not just have fun but also develop your social skill and create a nice connection and being like more part of some bigger community which is great and I think that um, it's one of our goal to make curation between people in multiplayer gaming must have because it's even sounds crazy that like what exists right now the game kind of offer you to spend hours with just random people and they like maximum what they take care about it's like skills but it's not enough to have a good time with someone And I think about the social part is it's, uh, I think as we get older, on average, people play games less. So a lot of the people I grew up playing games with don't get, play games as much. It's like hard to coordinate. You're tired from working or like busy with other kind of life stuff. So it's hard to find that higher level of meaning and fun engagement. That gets harder if you're working in the game industry or like you run like a podcast or something. I think it's a little easier. But for me, a challenge has been as I get older. Um, staying in touch with a lot of the friends as easily. So to be able to make that easier or to have an easier time finding people I would like are things I both really appreciate. Hmm. What I really like from from GameTree as a user is that GameTree focus on common platforms you're using, common social media platforms and common games you like together and not so much focusing on the differences. Wow, you are my first European friend you are not so much different from us Latin Americans. And I was like, yeah, as long as you speak English and we speak the same language, it shouldn't be much of an issue. So it opens a world to people that is pretty much driven at some point still by stereotype, unfortunately. At least that is my experience, that people suddenly discover the world outside of their little bubble thanks to game tree at least that's my experience because you are not sorting from countries or regions so much yeah we actually that's a very conscientious design decision where both countries and even personalities tend to have bubbles so we actually created achievements like badges you can earn by making friends from different countries or personalities different from your own Something that we also found is that friends, there isn't like one algorithm or it's not like you just want somebody exactly like you personality wise, it's actually a tribe and you want to be appreciated for the things you naturally bring to the table. So by having people that are different, everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, but when the best in everybody comes out, you get appreciated or the spotlight for the things that you naturally do and enjoy. An example would be like if one person is the crazy person in a group that's otherwise too stable, they might get new experiences or if somebody's like, in a group of all crazy people, then like they never really have anybody to anchor things around or be a cornerstone. So the more stable person helps them out. And that's something that 
also make games better than any other friend-finding app. It's like games, they don't have actual borders. So you can find someone who will be like perfect for you and really good friend. And you don't really need to live in the same place or in the same country to be able to spend time together playing some games. And usually like a lot of dating apps or friend-finding apps, they like purposely very focused on to find someone who nearby you. But it's not always, it's not the only one way. Yeah, and with the increasing mobility in the world, like that's something I've suffered a lot living in a lot of different cities and countries is friends are actually becoming more valuable as we move around more because it's a way to have at least some stability or tribe through all the chaos. I spent a lot of time in the recent years visiting my internet friends. I've been at AJ at his place. I even went yeah. to Peru for three weeks to visit our graphician, our graphic artist in Lima. So I know what you mean. Yeah, I traveled cool. a lot. I and met a dungeon master in the middle of Mexico, like deep in the jungle. <laughs> he like, moved there with his wife a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so I totally get you here. Yes, I think it's super, super amazing. And I also find, as I said, sometimes games can be a bit troublesome to find people. I remember this frustrating experience. I was with somebody in Among Us from Chile, and there were constantly people in Among Us speaking Spanish to each other and everybody was like, please switch to English. And it, it became so toxic that you're suddenly kicked from the server and stuff. So sometimes the online community in such games can be a bit toxic in a way. Yeah, and Riot Games has done a lot of research discovering that most toxicity is actually miscommunication. It's on average not somebody purposely being annoying, but it's just different people are different. So it sounds like in that situation, it's just like language barriers. But nobody besides us that I've seen is really diving that deep into a lot of the nuances of how do people get along, which I think Donna was touching on this, but it's just crazy that for multiplayer <laughs> games, like who you play with is so important. Like some games cost like 50, 100 million dollars to make. And nobody's paying attention to who are you playing with? Do you actually like these people or get along? Do you have similar values? Like literally nobody, it's, it's really crazy. So we hope that we can yeah, just make it easier to get in touch with good people and also work with the companies to building systems to help match people. For example, massive multiplayer games, I think it's really important if you're joining these like worlds that you actually, the world means more if you care about people in the world, but they don't really give you tools to find those people, which to me is right, like, right. It was wild. So we have some stuff in the pipeline with that stuff too. Like how the thing work now, it's mostly like random. Even there's a lot of like Discord chat with like fun gamers, but there's basically no difference between Discord ch chats and like just random people in, inside game because no one of them not actually curate and not actually try to predict how good will be your experience together. Yeah, I think there is a value in like, at least people are looking to be more cooperative or friendly or not toxic. So at least just that's like a simple level, but that's been around for a long time. But going to the next levels of curation, I think not even just in gaming or friend finding, but just in general is becoming more and more useful in the world as we get more and more choices and options thrown at us, being able to like find out what's the best for you personally or what would you like the most. Like gamer DNA test is something that I really enjoy and I love it. 
it's like the app measure different type of fun that people looking for in the game and try to give you like the people who will have the same type of fun for, because if you want just to be more social and have a nice time with someone it's not the same like you want to achieve some goal and win these people will not be like very good together usually yeah i think dungeons and dragons is a great example because it's such a hyper social experience that like 90% of it is who you play with and we're actually potentially going to help design the system for one company these things are popping up where everybody wants to play but a lot of people don't know who to play with and if one person really cares about the story and other person's all about self-expression and acting and other person's just about beating the challenges like they're all playing on completely different levels of reality and some of that's good because it's good to have everything in the picture but if everybody's like really distinctly different in this case it just creates like a game where everybody's just annoying each other like not playing and so yeah we just want to be able to use these personality tests to really curate that I want to talk a bit about my experience when I first started using GameTree. You mentioned, Dana, the personality test, and you, John, also. That was a nice idea, so you know what kind of person you are and what kind of other, what kind of person the other people are. But I also found you have automatically a contact on your list, which is a community moderator. And it felt a bit like MySpace, where you automatically would have Tom on your <laughs> friends list, but you couldn't talk to Tom. Tom would just be here as an Olibi friend. If you had no friends, you had at least Tom. But at first I thought, okay, another bot. I saw that from other systems like Discord and so on. And I was really surprised to find out that he, she was a new hire a week after I joined, and I actually could talk to her. And... I talked to her about my experience with GameTree for half an hour. I was like, oh my God, there's really a community manager that really cares about the community and is here to help if you have problems with different kind of people or using the app or finding around the social aspect. I was totally surprised. I was really thinking it's just a bot and nobody will care to talk <laughs> to me. So a couple of things, and those are all volunteers. Because I think the value of finding, I think besides our health, relationships are the most important thing in the world. And if we're helping people meet, not just people, but like good people, we, the value of that is so big that people have translated the app into 10 languages and ask if they can be moderators and such. So that's one thing we're really lucky and grateful for with the area that we're in. Another one is that sometimes we do meme competitions, like community meme competitions, you can win a badge and stuff. And uh, we did one just about like stuff about Game Tree, and somebody in the like Russian Ukrainian speaking community made one where, it, and I don't know how they knew this, but it is actually totally a thing in the company. Is people always don't think that they're real people. They always ask if we're a bot, and so there's a they made a little cartoon and it shows a like a bot sitting at a computer. And the person's like, you bot, it's now, and the next person's like, you bot, it's now, and the person's like, angry and smashes, like, the keyboard. And the next picture, there's a, it's like a bot instead of a person at the computer. <laughs> so <laughs> getting asked if he's a bot so much, it became a bot. That was something the community made that, but I don't know, like, how they know that's an internal joke, but, um, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of company, they cannot offer, like, people behind of the screen and we it's something that we're proud of that we have very big and loyal community and we try to make safe and friendly space for everyone 
and our moderator and our volunteer, they help us with that. And we're very grateful everyone who joined because it's not like our app. I think everyone who use app, they kind of part of it. Yeah, it's also a public benefit corporation, which means we're not required to maximize profit. So even if it would be like 20% more efficient to have a bot or something, if it's something that's like good for the community, like we don't want to make it worse or screw people just to be like a little bit more productive. And it mm. just seems that having real people there for an app like this is just something delightful. We kept it. <laughs> May I ask about the beginning of Game Tree? I'm interested, how did it happen? Why did you decide to go with crowdfunding first? So originally it was, we didn't crowdfund it originally. I was just family and friends and such and like all the, and working and putting all the money I had extra that I could afford into it. And then the crowdfunding came a little bit later. What we'd actually like to do one day is equity crowdfunding so that the community can actually own Game Tree as well. So if, for, if things go according to plan next year, we can do something like that. We've been pre-approved for the most elite platform for that. And hopefully that could be something on the radar. But the idea with the crowdfunding is that this is a perfect thing for that, where it's not, it's a, like a traditional business is just make as much money as you can for yourself and the stakeholders. but. This to me is more of like just a general need in the universe and it works better when there's like a unified platform than like a vacation spot where there's a million places you can go and a hundred companies at each place. This is, I see as like a utility almost where it's better if there's a strong community and it can be and like the wealth that it generates can be spread among the community. It doesn't have to just be like, like one or two people or like a handful of exclusive investors or something. So the crowdfunding at first was good because it's just like nice to engage the community. And then in the future, we'd like to reserve part of whatever rounds occur to also allow the people that are helping create it to also own it. May I ask, you are co-founders. Did one of you find the other person or did you know each other before? How did this crowdfunding happen? Especially Ukrainian and American is not a combo you hear often in okay. startups. So the thing, the magic happened because when John just established Game Tree, he decided to move to Ukraine. There was few reasons for that, but one of the most important reason is Ukraine have very great developers, and it's more effective to be there for a start of the company, and it's like cheaper than being in Silicon Valley. So John moved to Ukraine, and a big part of the team was Ukrainian. And I'm looking for some like ambitious and promising and valuable startup to join, like co-founder. So when I heard about GameTree, I just sold. <laughs> I want to be part of it. It's, it's great. Yeah, and Donna has a business background where she has her own company that's quite profitable and that she's automated, but it's in government military supply. So it's not as fun as games and not as innovative or interesting as technology because you're just following routines. But I have a weakness of I have a lot of ideas, but I'm worse at like structuring them or not getting too idealistic. That's operation stuff. Yeah, and I've been wanting a co-founder for a long time because it's just way better. Like a lot of studies and stuff show mm. that it's a lot better. So since Don has joined things, we haven't been doing as much external marketing, but internally, like a lot of things have been happening that aren't we haven't made public yet, but. 
I expect that this month, December, we'll be launching the desktop app, and then we have a lot of kind of good things that'll quickly be escalating out of that. We even have radial development group, like a software engineering studio that's come on, and they've given us a couple thousand hours of their time in addition to some of our own developers, just because they want to be a part of this and to become our engineering arm. Investments are going well. We got a grant to do something really cool. We got into an acceleration program. So a lot of this we haven't been public about because we want to make sure that the product is not just the best at like finding friends, but adding more useful things to people's lives on an ongoing basis before we really try to reactivate all the people who had used it before, but then don't need it now, combined with all the people who could benefit from all the things that we have. That leads me... Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're actually very excited for our users to present them all what we've been working for quite long. For example, desktop app, that's something that we expect will be really nice thing feature to our product because it will be more convenient for user to use desktop app and also calling. We've been working on it quite long and it's also we hope will make users experience better and easier. And there's like other stuff that we feel <laughs> like developing and we like looking forward to announce it to everyone. Yeah. And we could tease some stuff with you, but yeah. <laughs> Up to you if you want to tease it or not. It's, it's not live. We will edit it anyway. So it's really, it really up to you. So the roadmap, feel free to share it if you want, but the roadmap from here is looking towards desktop app with curated on-demand hangouts, which means like clicking a button to find your friends who are free or people you're predicted to like or people you like playing with before and just being in a group together really easily. That's like the next release and we'll, we have an MVP coming out and we'll polish it. We have community recommendations where we do the best individual matching, but a lot of people are looking for communities or have communities that they're looking for people to join. So we'll just scale our individual matching so you can find the best communities and nobody's really doing that. And that also will cut down the spam a lot where people are posting their communities in the app. Oh, oh, I got so many, I got so many messages. Do you want to be my sugar daddy? Yeah. Oh, like, oh, oh my God. Nice. Oh my God. Like, yeah, no, more recently, sorry. we took off the email verification because we're moving email servers and then combined with putting that back on in a sec, we also are going to be limiting the new daily contacts too. One, to cut down on things like that. But secondly, is that it also, it'll be correlated with your level in the app. So more legit people or people who have proven themselves can message more new people per day so that you don't have somebody just sign up and message like 50 or 100 people. We do have systems in place where if we notice the same message is being sent, for example, like it'll get blocked or we have like certain IP addresses that we know like only scammers come from and stuff, but it's a constant cat and mouse game. But yeah, that's something we have also some good plans around. We also want to get more into the social network space where people find friends, but there aren't really good places to talk about games with them. Like I use Facebook a lot, but most of my friends on Facebook aren't gamers or don't play a specific game. Same so yeah. if I could just post about games a lot easier to people I want to communicate with about those things, because Discord is a bunch of one-on-one -on -one relationships, or you don't really have, it doesn't track in the same way that other social networks do. But the problem is with Discord, 
you can't find people anymore because everybody has a different username than a real name and then you can't suddenly yeah. people are down the discord list and then you can't remember who was this person i know again. you can't even search text in conversations like it's, you can't it's, search like a keyword or something you talked about steam eats yeah, all your yeah. conversations yeah. the profiles are almost non-existent they don't exactly. like express exactly and this is why skype for example is wonderful because dana's name I can't read Ukrainian and I knew when the call would start, I wouldn't be able to add her because I can't type her name. So I renamed her with Latin mm. letters so I can add her to the call later. <laughs> so I wish Discord had a feature like renaming name or putting a note you can see on front so you remember who the person is. And actually, there are two questions. You mentioned four times each that you are very much looking forward to your new desktop app. So you know that your current desktop app is not that bug-free? Oh, yeah. It's, right now it's a web app, but we're actually going to have something that can exist locally yeah. and even overlay game interfaces. Yeah. So when you're on a call kind of like Discord, okay. you'll see who's around right. and stuff like that. I have, to uh, say, I have to say my bread and butter is testing medical software for bugs. Mm -hmm. So I was so shocked to see that in the web app, you suddenly have messages you send to people appearing on other people's chats. And I was like, how did they not see this, those bugs and stuff? And we do I have a lot of bugs there. Exactly. Part of it is that we've been working on some big features. So we mm -hmm. have a backlog of things that we're now starting to catch up on that we yeah. just wanted to finish some core stuff before we got to. So it's been building up, but I expect you'll see in the next couple of weeks, a lot of things will be getting popped up. I haven't heard about chats showing up in different places, though. That's the message later of how it's going on there. <laughs> yeah, I was a closed beta tester for Skype for two years because I oh. found bugs nobody else ever oh, found. So at some point they emailed me like, hey, you found so many bugs. Can we hire you for nah. a year or something? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, so which I find quite good that you mention all those things because oh, normally... we've been mobile first, but now we're moving more towards desktop first. The web app was like a secondary thing, but now that we're right. doing Hangouts, it's more hmm. important. Anyway, I find it important. I find it good that you know about your shortcomings because normally marketing PR people, they are always rosy and shiny and everything is awesome like in this Lego movie. Uh, we, we have 16 pages of shortcomings. <laughs> so it's interesting that you mentioned that you have to improve such things. And there's another thing you noticed, you mentioned, by the way, a lot of people used the app for once and never joined ever again. So there are a lot of dead accounts. And if you see last online a year ago, then the chance that this person will ever answer you is zero. So that's another thing you have to work on. Keep people using the app for some reason or another. Yeah, and that's why we haven't been doing a lot of marketing or external stuff, is we realize that we need to build these things. It's just the pandemic hit us hard, mm -hmm. where it flatlined us for a bit. So we've just been building internally so that it'll go back in the zone. We, have, we still have hundreds of people signing up organically per day. But out of a world of a billion gamers, multiplayer gamers, it could be a lot more. Yeah. But what we want to do is make it a more universal app, but take a tiered approach where our, we want to serve our core, which is people that it serves now, but then add more stuff for them and then build up more and more towards general use case stuff.
We have a plan to start trying to start reactivating users. And if some user will not be reactivated and try to use app again for like more than a few months or more than a year, we'll probably hide their profile from searching. And even now, if you try to search some new people, you have a filter when they've been online. So you can put five days a month and cut people who not use actively. Yeah, we have half a million people that have signed up and we've only spent $20,000 on promotion like ever. But what we want to do, what we've, we've purposely not been emailing people or sending a lot of push notifications or we've been purposely not trying to retain people. One, because the app's not really monetizing so much right now. We're still in the building phase. But more than that is that we'd rather just, people tend to get a lot of value quickly out of it. And then we'd rather just have that good experience and then notify them later. Hey, like you remember us, now we have this stuff. And they'll be like, ooh, that's cool. And then they'll come back and then stick. But we don't want to just be poking people with the same song because the people right. don't yeah. always want to listen to the same song. So that means your new hire of your new PR employee and this interview is a push into the new be more in the face of the world it is. right now. Yeah, wow. we got first access. Wow, so I'm, feel, I'm feeling honored to have both of the founders here and being rocket for new ventures. Oh, yeah, it's, you seem like a good person to do this with. You seem like very enthusiastic and authentic in this space. Personally, your PR, your PR person asked me so many questions and I was afraid that my answers were too detailed <laughs> because I was writing this huge email explaining everything in detail and I was like, perhaps it's too much. So that's Robert and he actually discovered us because another gaming community was shutting down and he tried all the apps and thought GameTree was the best one and can see it being big. Yeah. He's joined us in that capacity as well. A lot of it's been a lot of inbound things. Like for example, <laughs> even you are a user, but I'm excited to finally get to the phase because we have all this pent up energy and things that are like on the cusp to really start like all the activity. Uh, it's also frustrating to see that there's, there's some other apps that I feel are not as useful or authentic in what they're doing, which like is always going to happen if there's a need. I think we're going to hit it. With I mean, it. name it. For example, Smirking Pandas was around. What was, um, what was around? Or was it, was it? I think it was Smirking Pandas or something. And then there is Game, then there is Paul, which is mm -hmm. a competitor. Yeah. So Epal I, I, I is, always, is mostly always... paying to play with Gamer Girls. Mm. Exactly. Is their specialty. Exactly. Uh, Plink is one, but they're, they pretend to be a free app, but then monetize like really aggressively. And it looks really pretty, but they don't actually like add anything unique or that especially useful. They uh, it's kind of like a money grab. They quite yeah. focus on business and or making money, which not mm, always good for user. Yeah, and then uh, GamerLink is pretty cool. They were the first ones in the space, and they have the beacons, but they don't have a desktop app, and they don't really do curation. And it's kind of like you can do what you can do with that through apps. And then PVP.com has been showing up a lot more, and they're doing big equity crowdfunding, but they seem to just be very much about what's the return on investment, and this is the metaverse, and like they seem to be approaching it more from like a, we're trying to make money off of this point of view rather than let's build something really awesome. I found it by the way. It was Sparkle Pandas. Sparkle pandas, that's a new one. Sparkle pandas, yeah. But the thing, the story behind Sparkle pandas is it was mostly used by OnlyFans creators. Oh, 
This is a new e-girl website. <laughs> yeah, e-girl website. And I actually met the founder of this service. And when she heard about how people use it, she shut down the service. Wow. So... Uh, perhaps I was too honest in my video calls, <laughs> telling her how the users see her service. She was so shocked. So, yeah. So, so I've seen the dark side of uh, gaming social services. <laughs> Something to comment on is with GameTree, we actually have a dating feature. We don't, we're not really known for that, and we don't promote it much. It's not even in the app by default. You have to kind of opt into it. But what was happening is about 30% of people on GameTree were also using it as a dating app. And if you're not looking for that, it's annoying. And if you are looking for that, it's also annoying. So what we did is we just added a little toggle so you can say you're looking for friends or a date. Uh, just, to, that. Yeah. just to be able to like quarantine that kind of behavior together. And it worked out really well where the amount of people reporting it has gone down a huge amount, but we couldn't just kick off a third of our community. So this was a solution that ended up working pretty well, where if people are, for example, like trying to date through a friend-finding section, we just kick them off to the dating area, or they at least have an area that they can do that like, in a ah, good way. That is why some profiles says, I'm not here for dating. I always wondered why some people use add that in their user info. Now I understand. So you actually have two sections of GameTree. I never noticed this dating side of the service. Oh yeah, if you're not looking for it, you probably wouldn't notice it. But that's why it's there. Is it's, it's nice that maybe you weren't aware of it because we're not we're not trying to be known as a dating app. But it was a way of solving a problem that okay. happens to a lot of other companies. Sparkle Pandas was an extreme example. Yeah. Girls' it's, point of view, I can say that it's going to be pretty annoying. Especially if you like actually want just play games and you don't want like constantly like deal with a lot of like sexual or... yes. <laughs> yeah like it's that. true it's true yeah it's good that you put so much mind into planning so that the service doesn't turn into a toxic one or going totally sidetracks where it shouldn't go so a much of much thought is uh, put behind it this is pretty good yeah. which is also probably helpful that there is a male and a female co-founder, so probably it gives the perspective of both genders. I don't know if it works like that. I have it's no idea. I think work like that because I'm actually very mindful and try to make community not just for like men's gamer, but also for women gamer. And even though right now there's like still more men use app, I do think that we can attract more women and it's something that should be done because women need a safe and friendly space and, and that's that creates value for them as well and something interesting too is that a lot of games they purposely don't do anything about toxicity because they don't want to kick off the toxic players they get bad reviews they lose customers they lose player count <laughs> so they just don't do anything about it or they like slap you on the wrist but What's nice about GameTree is because it's like a third-party community and we actually have real moderators and we have a reputation system and stuff, we can overlay the gaming world in a way that the game companies themselves can't. So, for example, if you meet someone through GameTree and they're really toxic, there's like a bigger feedback cycle loop in that, whereas if it happens in a game, there's kind of nothing you, that you can do about it, and so it, there, it's not really punished and it just builds up mm. uh, or is even allowed because of that. Like people are even more willing to do it because they know that there's no feedback mechanisms and pure anonymity and stuff like that. 
Whereas in Game Tree, you can report people. Okay. <clears throat> those profiles and sorry, <clears throat> those profiles and things now raise the questions, isn't there a risk for the users that you could take those profiles and sell them to market analysts and then use the user data to make profit like Facebook does, for example, that was a huge backlash for Facebook. And that is why a lot of people left Facebook and WhatsApp when Facebook uh, took over WhatsApp. So what can you say about those dangers from the user's perspective? So I'm personally on the camp that I don't mind sharing my data if it's not being used evilly. Like I actually think that sharing our data is what allows curation and personalization. So that's why it's a public benefit corporation is so we're not like legally required to be evil. So if we can use that in good, because like literally that's what happens with all the big companies is they're like by law, American business law required to maximize profit. So like it's, we can be like, make 90% as much money and not be assholes. And usually it's that kind of like little extra or it's that like mentality of, oh, like to, in order to make the most money in my job or to do what I'm supposed to be doing, like I have to make these decisions, but that's not really the culture here. I would say that Game Tree realized that we collect a lot of data and we'll like very try to be very careful with the way how we're going to use it and to put the user interest first. Yeah, our mission is to look out for the well-being of the community. For example, now one of the way how we use the data that we have, it's game recommendation, which I think is a great because it's benefit for right now we have about 90% of accuracy, John. Right? 93%, yeah, at predicting ratings. With like predicting game that you will like, which is like great because if you're actually asking the question, like what should I play next, we can help you by default collecting a lot of information about you and understanding your interest and your personality in a very deep yeah. way. We also do something that I've never seen anywhere else, which is we sort reviews based on how similar your tastes are to the reviewers at correlated things. So you know who to trust the most. And for example, like Amazon is trying to just maximize what's going to make the most profit, not what are you going to like the most. And that's basically true of like almost everything. But for us to be able to do a good job, like we need data. But also I think it's okay to have aggregated data, like market insights. I don't like the idea of, I hate like spam phone calls or like in my inbox, like unsolicited and stuff like that. But we're trying to do it in ways where it'll be things that are like you're looking for and that you would like, trying to make it as natural as possible. Right now, we're not really monetizing. We have some pre-orders for memberships that just give like extra perks. Like everything now will still be free, but there's a lot of aesthetics or things that make sense to give to people who have been more like proven or conscientious or serious. For example, like the messaging limit, like a small messaging limit is good, like for new messages for a new user. But if somebody is a member, they're shown, there's the sort of a feedback system where by paying a little bit, they're like, okay, like I'm genuinely looking or this is important to me as an alternative to being like a higher level or something. Whereas it also still succeeds at fighting like scammers and spammers and things. Curation and recommendation in like very personal level create a lot of value, not just for companies, but for users. For example, now we're working with one company that provides server for a gamer to play with the pro gamers if they want to be more professional. And by providing curation for people, we help like everyone to increase the value of the product. 
and for example, by curating you with a better group, we automatically help you have better experience and also spend more time with by playing some games, which is also benefit for both of the sides. So I see that we have we in that unique position that we create a win-win solution. So like we help company win and we also help user to have better experience as well. I think something too is being in the gaming space, people tend to be more friendly, fun-oriented, like easier as well, just given the nature that this is like a hobby that we all love. If you look at Facebook startup, I don't know the real stories or the people, but like I saw the social network and there's like a business card that says I'm CEO bitch and like purposely showing up late to meetings and like stealing people's ideas and stuff, but we don't have any of that in our company history. So I think also that they can grow into different things depending on the kind of seed that's planted. So do I get the impression right that Dana is more in the background of the business and you, John, are more the PR foreground person, the face of the company? We can share our responsibility in that way that we use the most strong side of us. For example, John have more technical background as well. So, you know, developing a little bit more deep than I do. And he cover that part. I more look outside of the company and also try to found better employee for us and try to use some service that we did not use before to experiment with the, the stuff and like cover something that I'm better in, like operation uh, management and things like that. Yeah. And with public facing, like me being a natural English speaker is helpful. And also I'm better with improvising. Mm -hmm. I don't have to plan as much, whereas Donna wants to rehearse things, for example. So it's ah. a little bit easier if you're an improviser ah. to do certain kinds of things. We're actually hoping Robert will be more visible as well, because ah. uh, he's really articulate and he's built a pretty big community. And we also want to have more of the community also representing. We haven't been like promoting or marketing much, but we actually want to do more like events, like showcasing the community and the things that they've done, people they've met, like stories from Game Tree and such, to make it a little less top-down and more horizontal. You don't have to worry about it. AJ can confirm one of our number one issues in the last eight years is to always convince somebody, your accent doesn't matter. As long as you speak English, we want to talk to you. Everything else <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. And it's always like, come on, we don't speak French, we don't speak Spanish, speak English with us, it will be fine, don't worry. So I was so happy that I didn't have to argue because of accents and stuff. You were like, both, yes, I'm super excited, I'm looking forward to it, let's do it. So it was super easy, so you were very easy to convince, so to speak. So I totally see where you're coming from here, but I think Dana is very understandable. I don't oh, yeah. have an issue. So. I think she's actually more understandable than me in a lot of ways. I think what I actually meant more was more like fluency than accent. I didn't say that well, but yeah. We it's, it... have a joke that like for about three months we located in Amsterdam and people like have problem by understanding John. And like, I'm joking that, oh, he doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the world has changed. You're both gamers of Konami. And I know the, we wanted to make an interview about Pro Evolution Soccer. And the biggest problem was that they had a policy back in 2016 that only English native speakers 
made to international interviews. So we had to wait and convince and so on. And fast forward eight years later, one of the head of PR for, for Contra, when they re-released, is actually a French person with mm. a, a thick accent. And for uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, they actually exchanged the American PR person with a Peruvian because he could present the product better. So yeah. I think in our international community, this all changes. And also what you, Dana, said with bringing more females into the service. In my life, I never cared if my friend was female or male. I played with her computer games, video games, regardless of gender. So I never really understood this gamer gate. Well, it problem. just for a game for girls, the biggest concern is like this community will not be safe or this community mm. will not take care about like my interest good enough or something. And I want to be that space that space and create game chain that way that everyone will feel safe and like comfortable. Yeah, we spend a lot of time researching like all the studies that come out in this space just because this is highly relevant for us. And I, there was one that came out that was something that said, I think it was about 73% of like female gamers have said that they at some point are afraid to talk because they, they're afraid of harassment for being a female, which is pretty messed up. Yeah. And yeah, we're trying to make a space where that's not even like a thought. Yeah. To totally get you. Yeah. On the other hand, I had people telling me, ah, you are male. That's a problem because I have a boyfriend and he could be jealous and stuff. And I'm like, sorry, I can't change my gender just to make your boyfriend less jealous. So I will stay male. Doesn't matter in which way you turn it. So I totally understand. That is, I think that's a society issue. That's probably very good point like why we even need to have any sort of gender like why we even ask what gender you belong to because here we are like without gender we're just like gamers yeah yeah i think one day eventually that's that'll be the distant future and the values test one of the questions we ask is are you looking for a romantic relationship or something or some relationship are you seeking and the way we do a lot of the tests is we don't just try to theory craft, like, what do we think is the ideal answer? We let the data decide. So if there's higher correlations between people answering in certain ways and then becoming friends, then we we weight all the questions accordingly. Mm. I don't know all them off the top of my head, but I'd assume that if somebody's like very answers very extremely on one side, another person's very extremely on the other side, then one, they're going to have less to talk about. But if two people are both looking, it can be another thing to bond over. Whereas if they're in completely different stages of life. And our fact, our algorithm takes into account like over 100 things. But that's just, it's all about putting as much good stuff together as possible and then showing those people first. Which is, I guess, another thing that we do that I haven't seen is we show the best matches first. Where a lot of dating apps nowadays like shuffle them randomly because it keeps you on the platform longer. But that isn't something that we optimize for. Like Tinder, which I never used. <laughs> yeah. I only heard rumors about it. Let's hope that those... Like we just discussed a few days ago that on Tinder, if you put like video games or like League of Legends, like your interest, your profile automatically have less matches. <laughs> interesting. But hopefully releasing those details doesn't give people ideas listening to this 
podcast interview mm. how to fool the system now that they know how some <laughs> things are supposed to work. <laughs> it's just such other social media. They was created for other reason. They wasn't created for gamers. That's that's it. Yeah, and a lot of those systems, they're, I think, over-optimizing for some sort of universal desirability, where they're like, oh, if this person's right-swiped a lot, then we show them to other people who are right-swiped a lot, which is like the same as saying, like, people that are wanted, they put together. But I don't, that what that ends up doing is creating a culture where it's just good to be average and to be open, at least pretend to be open to everybody and not say anything that might put anybody off, when in reality, what you want to do is be honest about who you are and what you're looking for, and then just ideally find what's right, but that's not how these systems are optimized. Hmm. Uh, so in Game Tree, we get a lot more flat distribution where we're not just showing the same profiles over and over again. That's something Plink does is they find some, I don't know even if they're real people, but they'll have like attractive people and it like gives an illusion that that's like what the average users are like, but really they're just messing with people. <laughs> Luckily, you don't ask how much of a good player I am because I'm horrible at games. <laughs> I, I never complete games. So uh, if there, if that was a ranking or a question, I would probably lose and nobody would want to talk or game with me because we would always lose together. Let's lose together. It's probably not so encouraging. Uh, encouraging. So, um, something is that when originating this, I thought that would matter more. But it turns out that like by far, like our core users don't care that much about how good people are or even what specific game they're playing. They're just like, I just want to hang out with people I like. And I'm pretty flexible. So that's pretty cool where I don't think that occurs as much in other places in the gaming world. We are adding skill levels soonish because we're moving towards on-demand hangouts. And for, if we're, for certain kinds of games, it matters if you're playing like a competitive ranked game. But it's still like optional if you want that to be a criteria. Like It's not going to default to matching based on your skill level. It's not even going to be a factor unless you purposely set it as like a factor. And it'll still be very just generic. It'll be like, I'm a noob or like I'm a master, but it's not like I have 1,987 ELO in this. Damn. Well, I have 14 years of Steam. That is something a lot of people like. <laughs> That's to my advantage. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're using Steam since forever. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Is there uh, any another... game excited to, to play? Pardon? Is there is any game that you're excited to try which will come soon or something? Is there a game I would be excited about? Yeah, the new Need for Speed is supposed to be the first to catch up the Generation Z again, to make them interested for the series. And they try this new manga style. That's totally something I'm looking forward to. Because racing is the only type of game where I'm good at, despite mm. I lost at Pit Stop against yes, AJ. Yes. But that was a bad day yeah. I had. Yeah. I'm sure, that was a bad, a bad day. That's, um, that's call it. <laughs> and plus he had a lag because he was from America. But anyway, yeah, well, Need for Speed is one. And, and another one would be a Tempest Rising, which is coming out from 3D Realms, which is a competitor to Command and Conquer. Oh, I just learned about that. That looks so yeah. cool. I'll tease a, a couple more things. Sure. We've had a lot of... So you were talking about how it's hard to know who your friends are in, in like Discord or Steam after over time or people you play with. And then it's also tricky, like you said, like you have Steam for 14 years, but there's not really like... The profiles are so ugly and impersonal and weird. Like nobody actually has good gamer profiles anywhere. Yeah. 
But what we want to do is have a little bit of a LinkedIn for gaming, not as much like professional, but we actually want to have spaces where you can like actually write about what is your favorite gaming story or your favorite game and why, and actually and be able to import achievements and stuff eventually. So you can actually have a curated kind of gamer persona. So it's not as much these like one and done experiences that just disappear into the void, but they can be carried with you in a way. And we've had inbound interest from some of the big studios about investing in us and having a universal gaming login system. So that's our kind of Hmm. goal for next year is to syndicate these players and to start creating a universal system so that if you go from like Battle.net to EA to Steam to like Xbox, you can actually know who all your friends are and also save a lot of your progress or things like that. Then it has to be a new independent company because these guys have conflicts of interest otherwise. So that's like a lot of our highest level vision is to do that alongside being a more general gamer social network where we can make just gaming an easier, better part of our lives instead of siloed in these little ecosystems. Wow. That sounds like we have to make a follow-up in a year or so. <laughs> yeah. Whether yeah, all your wishes and dreams ca- became reality because unfortunately, a lot of those services, they appear and die after a while. And I hope you are here to stay because I really like the concept and all the work and effort and thinking you put behind it. It's a very hard road, but we appreciate you, your interest or any viewers that use it or ever share it. The community helps a lot, but it's tricky because we chose not to monetize it super aggressively early and it's not something that naturally builds a lot of like growth and retention at its initial feature set stage, even though it was very valuable and useful. But a lot of, I think, other people would have just given up at that stage, but we've just kept pushing and pushing, and we don't plan to stop until it's really been able to create this ecosystem. And those game-related services that doing something new that we all wanted to have but didn't know we wanted it, those are things that are the things that will be successful in the future. For example, a few years ago, we had Pipecker, which are now called JamGG for an interview, and they are making cloud retro gaming in a group. Mm. And they also have like video chat and filters. So it's that would be a perfect match to com- combine with Game Tree, I would think. Uh, yeah. So I'm really a fan of those server, those gamer-centric hobby-centric services like yours, or as I said, GG. And it's a niche, but it has to find its way. And if you improve your web client or perhaps exchange it with a desktop client, that would be totally awesome. We There's a lot of blockchain and Web3 stuff in the air too, but we're purposely going slow with that stuff because we're more about creating real value rather than writing hype waves. Like we could add Web3 and it'd probably make some things easier, but ultimately it's going to make everything cost more and Mm. it's unnecessary. So we've chosen not to go that route. We do want to be able to recommend Web3 games or find players for Web3 games and stuff too. But it's more of like, I feel like at this stage, more of a money grabby niche, like hype industry rather than like a fundamental thing yet. And we're servicing like the 99%. More, and then we'll, as that grows, we'll dive deeper into it. Yeah. Awesome. But anyway, our main idea is like to make our user experience better. So if our user will require this, or is it, if it's going to be something that actually like important, 
yeah, we'll go in that direction as well. It's just awesome. right now there's much more important things to take care yeah, of. Yeah, we have a big roadmap. And we're lucky we've gotten a lot more development resources recently, but we're hoping to get even more so we can do more of this stuff simultaneously rather than sequentially. So there are going to be a lot of improvement. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so... The, is it planned for the start of next year already? So will 2023 start with the big bang? Here we are. Game <laughs> so, 2.0. So the desktop app should be coming out tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but like next month in yeah. November. We, we planned it, but we're, it's going to be a stealthy launch and we'll see if everything's smooth. There's not too many bugs. If, is there any like little things that we should add that we get feedback from? And then we'll focus on a little bit of announcements, but more revitalizing all the existing Game Tree community. And then 2023 is when we'll start doing a lot more external public stuff, but it'll start before that. But we just want to make sure that everything's good before we publicize everything. Asking about that, so would you prefer us to wait with releasing this until this is released? So at the start of next year, or are you fine with us releasing it by the end of November? Because that is what I was actually planning. I think it's fine. It should be up by then. Yeah, because it is help. It's one of those things that it's better than more people that are. So later we'll be doing some influencer marketing and more like content and things like that. But it's still, it just works better no matter what with more people, especially when we're doing hangouts mm. and especially as we're trying to move more towards an on-demand phase. So at first the game sessions, you can join a live one or schedule one, but we want to make it so that they'll, especially for the popular games, like always be some group that you can just hang out with immediately and just like tribe up with. And that just works better, mostly just through more people. Okay, so we keep the schedule like it was planned. Okay. Mm. Just asking because we have somebody called Dennis who is doing our social media PR stuff. So I thought if you had any wishes or something, it would be your chance. We'll do marketing more aggressively, like a little bit later. Because ah, right okay. now we was again was too focused on the product, and we before promoted, we decided that we need to like make it good enough to provide better service for people, and then promote it. So you worked with word of mouth, so to speak. Yeah, it's almost all word of mouth. Right. Natural. Interesting, interesting. I'm also very happy you gave us over an hour because your calendar said 45 minutes. So I was a bit <laughs> afraid, wow, this is, they don't have much time, but you seem to be quite relaxed. This is fun and we're passionate about this stuff. <laughs> I love, All right. love the machine in your background. What's that? It's actually a JAMA arcade machine. So it can handle any board, arcade board since 85. Okay. And wow. of course, some games like Pac-Man need an adapter, but Gemma is the arcade machine standard from Japan, created in 85. So I wanted one where I can really put the PCB boards, like <laughs> the original boards into the machine. So wow. it's not a PC, it's the real games. So every time I want to switch the game, I have to switch the whole board and connect it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But it looks awesome. I'm sure it's like very fun experience. Oh, like, I always <laughs> wish to have one. <laughs> so that's why. So the decision was either a couch or an arcade cabinet. And I decided <laughs> for the cabinet. That's the right decision. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Which is interesting because once I had a female coworker and she told me, you can't have women in your flat. 
because you don't have a couch, you only have an arcade machine. I like perhaps it's the wrong woman then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thanks for the compliment. I'm very happy. It was super extreme to get it working, especially the CRT screens. Not many people in Germany still repair them. Ah, awesome. It's quite rare. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Originally it was a poker machine, so it had no joysticks, just buttons. So we had to modify it heavily to actually wow. make it working. Yeah. So it's some sort of your hobby. Yes, retro gaming is my hobby, and since I'm too young, in Germany, when I was when I was an adult and legally allowed to go into arcade ventions, they were all closed. So I never had the chance to experience arcades in my childhood. The first time I experienced arcades was actually in 2009 when I visited AJ. He had yeah. he always rolled his eyes because every time we passed by an arcade center, we had to go in and play. He was super annoyed by that. <laughs> no, not too annoyed. Just... I don't know if you guys have any California travel plans, but we're planning to throw a big party in December um, oh. for a few yeah. hundred people in Santa Monica. And it's through the accelerator that we just joined. It actually started today, so for the first half of the day, um, that was what we were up to. But you guys are very welcome to come. And anybody watching, do look for it by the time you hear this. We haven't officially announced it yet, but we should have details up as soon as like a exact date is figured out. AJ, awesome. that sounds something for like you if you want yeah, to make yeah. a travel across the country. Yeah. No, why not? Why not? Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Hmm. Yeah, awesome. I got it covered so far. Is there anything yeah. we forgot you want to mention? I think maybe one last stuff it's like game was created for provide the most fun experience and to provide a lot of dopamine and positive emotions and we need to cut off toxicity from gaming because it's something that poison everyone time and everyone experience and that's what the main idea of Game Tree, and that's something that we try to do. It's let people forget what is that to play with toxic people. It should be something that like pass. It's not right. something that should follow us to the future. Yeah, you'd think that as the community got bigger or as technology and progress happened, it, problems get less bad, but this is an area that's only getting worse. So we're really hoping that we can make an impact here. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. And I should send you a list of bugs I found, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you yeah. really want that? Yeah, okay, please. Yeah. You oh, can yeah. email them to me or send them yeah. to, I assume yeah. it's Becca might be your moderator, but I'm not sure. We can make a game like we'll compare your bugs with what <laughs> we have. And like, you will win the score. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, if you want, you can share your bug list if you're curious. I, I have to recreate the bugs first. Yeah. Anyway, can I add you guys on LinkedIn and can we stay in touch? Oh, yeah. yeah, please. Okay. Awesome. Then I will send you a LinkedIn request so we can stay in touch. And then I will also message when we release this interview. But before we go, we have this thing that we ask our guests to speak in a little. A little All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, where can people go to find out what you're doing? Yeah. If they Google GameTree, one word, we should be top there. You can Google Find Gamer Friends, type in GameTree in the app stores. Our website's GameTree.me. Awesome. We will put links awesome. to everything in the podcast description down there. Awesome. Looking for gamers, looking for gamer friends app and 
social network for gamers. Awesome. Not social network. I think gamer network will be better. Yeah. <laughs> nice with you guys. Thank yeah, you. Same. Same. Good evening. Thank you. Too.